The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, come on, you've been listening for years. You know you're in the right place and you know you're going to be happy you tuned in. We have a very interesting topic today, but my buzzword is a long one. See if you remember, those of you, especially in North America, see if you remember where this came from. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That used to be the service mantra for the U.S. Post Office, but I digress. Let's talk about this, getting things from one place to another. Now, fast forward 2016, businesses used to focus on the goods they produce. What was the quality? What What was the speed and the efficiency of the production process? But wait a minute, wait a minute. We're now in the digital economy. Things have changed. If you've been hiding under a rock, Time to come out into the sunshine. Customers want more. They want faster, better ways to receive what they buy. We're impatient. We're in the now for me generation. I think all of us, regardless of our age and our demographic cohort, we want to have you, the producers, the manufacturers, the distributors, we want you to have your delivery logistics as important as the quality of the products you're sending us. So we're talking about B2B. What? B2B? Yes, because it could be as important to B2B as it is already to B2C. So if we look at the concept of what we're calling one-hour doorstep delivery, close your eyes. Think of little messengers, Pony Express, drones, perhaps one-hour doorstep delivery, door-to-door. Well, will that change your business model? I'm talking to you in business all over the world and our global listenership. Will that change your business model? If it's not right for you, why not? And could it be at some point in the future? We have three experts, three thought leaders. They have a lot to say. Great panel today. Let me get started. First up, I'm so pleased to welcome Charlie Cole at Tumi, T-U-M-I. And Charlie has sent me a very old-fashioned quote. It's probably a lot older than the one I read in the opening from the post office mantra, but here it is. It's from Dylan Thomas. And by the way, Dylan Thomas lived from 1914 to 1953. He was a Welsh poet and writer whose work includes the poems, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night, and and death shall have no dominion and the play for voices under milkwood and so much more by the way he died prematurely at the age of 39 and he had acquired a reputation as being a roistering drunken and doomed poet self-fulfilling prophecy here's the quote do not go gentle into that good night old age should burn and rave at close of day rage rage against the dying of the light 
Charlie Cole, you've made me so sad, but it's a great quote. How are you, Charlie? I'm very well, thanks. Tell me, are you a big follower of Dylan Thomas, uh, the, the gentleman who wrote so brilliantly and ended so tragically? And how does this quote relate to our topic? We're talking about one-hour delivery, digital economy, getting things from place A to place B quickly and efficiently. Talk to me, Charlie, and welcome. Oh, thank you again. And, and I'm not a remarkably literary person, but I've always loved this quote, and it seemed apt to the topic at hand today. And the reason I said that is the quote, is ultimately about struggling against death. And it, and it was something that Dylan Thomas wrote to his father. And he himself was struggling to survive. And to me, it was a decent metaphor for, you know, retailers and the retail industry in general. And there's a lot to be made from kind of an apocalyptic point of view about what's happening to retail and how retailers themselves can evolve in order to, frankly, not die. And so while it is a depressing quote with it from a depressed person, it actually, I feel like, was was relevant to this conversation about what we can do as brands that are hurting and dying. And you hear about uh, the death of brands around the country. We had two go bankrupt in the, in the last week, and the industry as a whole is getting slaughtered on Wall, on Wall Street. And so as we talk about getting places from point A to point B in a world mm-hmm. where there's a lot of positivity as you talk about improvements in customer service and opportunities for people to get things in different ways, it seemed like an apt topic about how we as an industry can leverage this technology and kind of this topic in general to rage against the the dying of the light from a metaphorical perspective in retail. So while it is depressing, uh, hopefully we can come up with some positive answers from it. I I appreciate that very much. Great insights, Charlie. And and my question to you is, do you think there is a manufacturer, and I'll use the word alive advisedly, meaning are they alive? Is their business still alive? Do they hope to get past that that doom of night? Who doesn't get what's happening, what I mentioned in my intro, that customers, we are all customers, Charlie. We're all buying something from someone. We want it now. We want it when we want it. We want options. We want choices. We want refunds. We want free delivery. Do you think there's a manufacturer in or a, a B2B or B2C, let's focus on B2B right now, who doesn't get that this is a priority? Is anybody oblivious, Charlie? I don't know about oblivious, but I think you could say best case, slow moving. You know, if you, if you think about the manufacturer's industry, that, that we are, we're part of a lifestyle brand, but if you think about the fashion industry, fashion was predicated on manufacturers telling people what they want. And I think the evolution is that the customer has taken back a lot of power with the advent of the Internet and the advent of mobile. And and so while I I wouldn't go as far to say, Bonnie, that they're oblivious, I think they're late to the party, and a lot of people aren't. And that was sort of what excited me about this conversation that that we're having today. Thank you very much, and I am excited to have you welcome again, Charlie Cole at Toomey. And now let me welcome somebody else who we're very excited to have. It's Sunil Dalavoy, D-A-L-U-V-O-Y, Head of Business Development at Uber Technologies. And we're not going to be talking about the Uberizing of everything, although, Sunil, that has become a verb we hear very frequently here on Game Changers. Sunil has sent me a fascinating quote, of course, from Jeff Bezos. And I, I tried to figure out how to pronounce his last name, Sunil. We talked about this. And on Wikipedia, it says the Z-O. S is pronounced Zeus, so Bezos will go with that. And uh, Jeff Bezos, anybody wondering, is Jeffrey Preston Jeff Bezos, born 1964, American technology entrepreneur and investor. He has played a role in the growth of e-commerce as the, oh, come on, you all know this, founder and CEO of Amazon.com, which became the largest retailer on the World Wide Web and the model for internet sales. And in case anybody wants a little more personal detail about Jeff, uh, as 
of May 2016, well, that's where we are right now, his personal wealth is estimated at $59.8 billion, with a B, billion dollars, due in part to a recent spike in Amazon stock price. Don't buy it now. It's probably too high. Ranking him fourth on the Forbes list of billionaires. He's up there. And here is the quote Sunil has picked. If you're competitor-focused, you have to wait until there is a competitor doing something. Being customer-focused allows you to be more pioneering. Sunil, welcome. How are you, Sunil? Doing great, Bonnie. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know you're a busy guy, and this is a fascinating quote. First of all, are you a big follower and an aspirer to be Jeff Bezos when you all grow up? Maybe we all are. I don't know. Uh, are you a big fan of his? And uh, how does this quote apply to our topic? I think it's obvious, but I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, Bonnie, thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Bezos is something, someone that I think that I admire because of his courage to be innovative and focused on delivering goods and services to consumers. And the idea of the quote is like, you know, I think that, and I don't mean to disparage your show or the media in general, but we tend to put everything in a, in a game context, you know, a competitor context. How are you doing versus someone else? If you just do that, or you only do that, you'll only be incremental at best. And not only Jeff, but even Larry Page, my former employer, makes this point too from Google, is that you know, you, in order to develop moonshots, in order to develop Android or even Chrome, you need to think about these things differently than just simply uh, what is your competitor doing. You've got to think about what is the best, uh, you know, focus on the consumer. What is the best thing, that, what problem you can solve for the consumer in that? If you follow that thread, then you'll uh, figure out a business model after that. So I think kind of find that is a fascinating thing that we're trying to do here at Uber or even any of these companies is let's figure out what's the best problem to solve for consumers and focus on that. And part of that also depends on the ability to luxury to to have the time to do that kind of work instead of just focus on near-term results and near-term products. Very interesting. And, and it's so interesting. You mentioned near-term, Sunil, and, and to me the irony is that we're looking at one-hour delivery as our topic today. Yeah. And is there anything, is there anything nearer term than, Sunil, I just bought this from you. I expect yeah. it here at my doorstep with options, free delivery, no shipping charges, free return. I want to have three sizes. I want it now. I want it delivered with a smile and I want the guy to wait for me. Seriously. So is this really the near, near generation? Is this the I want it now? Now, damn it, Generation Sunil, and and what is the message to businesses? Is it wake up, get up early, do more every minute of every day? Just quickly, what's your message to businesses? Well, that's fascinating. You mentioned earlier we want it now, but I think it's interesting to understand why we want it now, right? It's not that long ago that we were happy to wait a few weeks for a product, but uh, and again, um, I don't want to make this into a uh, advertisement for Amazon, but when they did Amazon Prime Now or Amazon Prime, they basically allowed you to get it whatever you want within two days. And that is now transformed to immediacy. So this on-demand economy you referenced, Bonnie, I think it's interesting to understand how we got here. How did it happen that we're all of a sudden we need immediate gratification and immediacy of things, whether you press a button and get a car, take you from point A to point B, you press a button and get your dry cleaning done, or you press a button and you get your food to your house within 20 minutes, that's a, that was a somewhat a recent phenomenon. It wasn't always the case that that happened. And how did we get here is an interesting point to, to understand and to think. So uh, to your other point, like, it's not just about uh, millennials who want mm-hmm. to have uh, immediate gratification. I think it's also about 
the, the housewife who doesn't want to put their kids in a car to do errands. The idea of pressing a button and getting what you want now is also the idea of giving time back to you. It's not just about how you become lazy and, and avoid doing things we need to do. It's fundamentally asking the question, why do we do those activities to begin with? That's, that's what I think is going to be a great topic for us to discuss today. Thank you very much, Sunil. Pleasure to have you. Great insights. And now let's turn to our third panelist. He is no stranger to Game Changers Radio. It's Hari Ashvini, who was on a show last year with me. And welcome back, Hari. Hari is the Senior Director of Corporate Business Development at SAP. And Hari has sent me a quote from Bill Clinton. We're not getting political here, but boy, is his wife having issues. We're just not going to go there. But if anybody has listened in the past 24 hours, it's it's muddy out there in them our political waters. Uh, Bill Clinton, William Jefferson Clinton was actually has a longer name. William Jefferson Blythe Clinton III, born in August 1946, is an American politician and the 42nd president of the U.S. from 1993 to 2001. Seems so far away. At age 46, Bill Clinton was the third youngest president. And what's interesting, perhaps to this conversation, he was the first president from the baby boomer generation. I'll just leave that. And here is the quote that Hari has selected. The price of doing the same old thing is far higher than the price of change. How appropriate. Hari Ashvini, welcome back to Game Changers. How are you today? Thanks, Moni. Doing well. Good. Talk to me. Are you? A, I won't ask you a real Bill Clinton fan. We won't go there. But the question is, how does this quote apply to our topic? Well, for selfish reasons, I'm using it as a plug for Hillary Clinton, so I'm just trying to get the word out. <laughs> um, but, but that aside, I, <laughs> I do think, I think, I think we are in this, in this age where transformation is so essential and Companies all over looking for ways, and I'm not going to plug SAP, but um, my 13 years in SAP has given me that opportunity time and time again to be able to constantly innovate and bring change to our customers. And uh, I agree with what Charlie said and Sunil said. Uh, the the one-hour delivery concept is a lot more than just instant gratification. I think it's it's changing the mm-hmm. way people are living, changing the way people are working, and we see it globally. I mean, we see it everywhere happening, and. Uh, the faster that we can quickly innovate and bring these technologies to our customers um, brings me personally a lot of joy. A lot of joy. What, what's your feeling as a consumer, Harry, when something arrives quickly, on time, intact, well, beautifully so, so packaged? I've been a, a, a user of the service for, for many years, one of the early mm-hmm. adopters in the Silicon Valley. And to me, the convenience factor is, is huge, as Sunil as said. Um, you know, I have a son, and, and oftentimes when we have to get something, it's, uh, you know, car seat and this and that, stroller. It's just a, a total mess. And then on top of it, you deal with parking, especially in densely populated areas. So if I, if I know what I'm going to get, I'm going to get the same thing over and over again. Like, for instance, with Toomey, I'm a big Toomey customer. I just buy the same thing over and over again. Why do I have to drive 45 minutes to go park and deal with my kid and everything else it takes away from my day? And to me to say, okay, I can, I can have it delivered home and it's there right away, is, it's huge, especially when I'm doing business travel and I lose something, like a luggage or something. And if I can, if I can make my business travel that much easier, uh, it helps me to be more productive. 
Interesting. I'm just going to share a personal story here with the panel. I think you'll all get a chuckle out of it. I have a dear friend who's very retired, but he's busy all the time. He does uh, stand up at the open mic nights all over Manhattan, especially in the the lower part of the city in the East Village. He's a poet, a playwright, busy all the time, belongs to an acting club, blah, blah, blah. And he lives in a two-family house. And a young family moved in about three years ago renting the upstairs apartment, and they had a baby. Well, the husband is in tech. The wife works for another tech company. They're busy all day long. So they're ordering everything. What did somebody just say at the click of a button, right? Push the button, order it, it arrives. So the foyer downstairs in this two-family house is always packed with packages, with things for the baby and supplies for the household and whatever this young couple needs because they don't have time to as we just said, Harry, they, they have children. They can't go to the store and get everything. So my, my friend who has just turned 81, a great guy, says to me, I can't stand it. These people are so lazy. They never go to the store. <laughs> they never go to the store to buy anything. They order everything online, and the damn entry to the house is just filled with stuff all the time. I can't even walk into the entryway. And I just, I, I couldn't even, this is about two years ago, I couldn't even explain it to him because here I'm saying under my breath, you go, young family. You know how to optimize your experience in the digital economy. You rock. You figured it out. You're working. You're raising a kid. You're doing everything. And you're making the deliveries come to you. Any, anybody? I'm sorry. It's just so funny. Anybody want to make a comment on that before we find out what you're all drinking today? I think you know what I'm drinking. Anybody, any comment on the disparity of a perception from generations? Charlie or Sunil or Harry? Somebody help me out okay, here. I'll jump in there, Bonnie. Yeah. Uh, I think that it, it's a, this is, it, there is a misconception in the idea that this is simply for millennials mm-hmm. to take advantage of their laziness. We're talking about products of, uh, you know, not only just moving products, we're moving people from point A to point B. It's about people getting into their doctor's appointment. It's about people getting medication at a price point that they never thought about before, at a point that comes to the time value of money, to people who can't afford uh, their own cars, for example. So this is not just about... Uh, rich people getting their luxury items as soon as they can and because they don't want to deal with parking. Of course, that's a beneficiary, and that's something we kind of focus on, and maybe that's something that uh, is more the immediate thing. But the, I think the broader concept we're talking about here is the death of distance, So we mentioned before. The idea that mm-hmm. you, know, you don't no longer think about how do you get from point A to point B. It's not just about the young and the rich. It's about the, the poor and the old who can now benefit from this stuff. They don't need to hop on that you know, decrepit bus transportation that takes mm-hmm. three hours to get to the medical appointment. They could hop on an, uh, an UberX and get there with, in, with three to four dollars within 20 minutes. These there are the type go. of things I think we need to take the conversation to in some ways. is, is not just about consumerism and about uh, consumption of goods. Thank you very much. Interesting. Anybody else want to comment? I, I think we've, we've hit a nerve here, and, and maybe it's a good one because of uh, different perceptions. Anybody else before I move on? Everybody good? Bonnie, I, I can jump in, too. Um, oh, good. I'll give you Charlie? an example of my mother, again. Uh, she, she lives mm-hmm. in the Silicon Valley, and she's slow in adopting technologies. But <clears throat> services like Uber and others have become like a daily thing for her now. Uh, because, mm. you know, of her age, and, and you know, she, she's got to climb downstairs, and, you know, there's a lot of little things that go on in her life. And ever since she's had the app installed in her phone and she's kind of learned a few things, she's, she's now become a big believer. So to Sunil's point, it's, it's really not about age or money. I think it's really about convenience and 
I, I think it's also overall greener in a way. If you look at the mm-hmm. cost savings uh, that come with it of using the service, it's actually uh, something that SAP is working on is to say how do we optimize the route so that you get there the shortest time and you do multiple deliveries. So there are a lot of things that we could do to really move the needle here. Fantastic. And did I hear Charlie in the background? Anything you wanted to add? Yeah, you know, to me, to me, Bonnie, it's less about the expectation, but the reality of the situation is that now everyone assumes that things will be democratized, right? And it doesn't really matter who's right or wrong because you have to match an expectation even if it's unreasonable. And, and, and it's ironic because we skirted around uh, the, the idea of this spiraling out of control into a political conversation, but it's mm-hmm. been a lot of the noise in the world is, is what's fair and what we deserve and, and what we're entitled to. But the reality is everything is being democratized. And so whether you're a manufacturer or a retailer or a service provider, you have to live up to a potentially unrealistic expectation. But I, I, tend, to, um, I tend to think that from an expectation of a luxury brand, the ultimate luxury that we have is free time. And that's what, to me, this topic's all about, right? It's about the reality of the situation that the world is wising up to the, to the fact that the only thing we have that's truly limited anymore is time, and anything we can do to save more of it is, is all that matters. And so we as brands find ourselves trying to play catch-up to meet that expectation because up until five years ago, it was crazy, right? It was crazy to even think this was a reality of the situation, but now... It's a darn near table. It's darn near table stakes. I appreciate that. Very interesting. Time is that matters. I think I've heard uh, people say that time is the new currency. That's it. That's what we have, and we're so aware of it, maximizing it, optimizing it, using it well. And speaking of using it well, I'm going to go around the table, starting again with Charlie Cola Toomey. And Charlie, very personal question for you, if you don't mind: What are you drinking right now, or what do you plan to drink after the show? Where are you calling from, and what time of the day is it? Go ahead, Charlie Cole. So I'm calling from New York City, and it's 11.23 a.m. I'm calling from the Toomey offices. Uh, right now, I pretty much, from the hours of 8 to call it 6, drink two things, which is cold water and black coffee. And then from the hours of 6 to God knows when, it's pretty much a combination of three things, which is either uh, Guinness, red wine, or whiskey. Uh, and so that isn't my steady <laughs> diet in the evenings, but if, if I deviate from ice water, it tends to be one of those three things to the point of uh, I'm a fairly predictable guy. So at any given moment, you'll see, hear me drinking five things, ice water, black coffee, Guinness, whiskey, or red wine. And if you see me drinking Coca-Cola, it means I had too much of the last three. That'll be the only time you see me drinking something else. And I said I was asking you a personal question. I never expected such a personal answer. That's one of the best we've ever had on the show, Charlie Cole. Tell me something. Do you have a favorite whiskey? Is there a Charlie Cole recommended label? Oh, yeah. It'd be, it'd be Balvenie Doublewood 21. That's, a, that's my favorite. It's that scotch or, or Michter's rye if you're drinking rye whiskey. Thank you very much. Now we know a lot about Charlie Cole, and now we'll put it in context as he speaks. Thank you, Charlie. And let's turn to Suville Dallavoye. Suville, I, Sunil, I think you're on the West Coast. Tell me where, if you don't mind, and tell me what you're drinking or what you're thinking about drinking later. Um, first, first I've got to give it to Charlie. He basically have my exact drinking diet. Charlie, <laughs> I look forward to uh, joining in your point. Um, I'm in San Francisco. I think it's, uh, I think it's 8 25, close to that time right now. And I'm drinking um, black coffee from a local 
a coffee a place called Phil's Coffee here, and you know you uh-huh. can't uh, you can't drink Starbucks here anymore. There's such coffee connoisseurs in this city, you lose credibility with a Starbucks cup at this point. So doing that, and also a, a club soda, just because uh, I get thirsty, so I enjoy the, the the bubbly. But uh, to Charlie's point, I also share his enthusiasm for whiskey in the later hours of the day, and my personal favorite when it comes to that is Macallan 12-year. Okay, we've got some good serious, uh, I'm just going to say this really politely, whiskey appreciators. How did I do? Is that okay? I didn't say whiskey drinkers. I said whiskey. I didn't even say aficionados. I said appreciators. We're just, I like that word. Okay. Thank you, Sunil. Glad to have you on board. And uh, by the way, Charlie, I'm in New York on the North Shore of Long Island, and you and I are sharing another gloomy, possibly rainy day. So yeah, we'll be, we'll be drinking up later. Harry Ashvini, where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? Bonnie, I, I can't top Charlie, but I could agree with him 100%. I think these two guys stole all my lines. Uh, the same thing. Black coffee with water, you hydrate and dehydrate at the same time. And then as the day progresses, it usually goes towards Macallan 12. Uh, right now, I am uh, in the Silicon Valley, which is about 45 minutes south of San Francisco. I'm still in my home office and about to head to work in a few minutes. Okay, thank you very much. Glad you could join us. And guess what? They don't let me have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. So I'm drinking my usual cool, clear, slightly boring water from a Brita filtered pot bottle in my refrigerator a pitcher with a pink straw because, Charlie, I'm still hoping for sunshine today. I think we had a couple of glimmers of it yesterday and we're just, I don't know, we should export the rain to whoever needs it around the country, not Texas, maybe California. I don't know who else needs it. Anyway, you are listening to a very lively conversation. We might have to change the name of the show from Coffee Break with Game Changers to Coffee Break Delivered to Your Doorstep in One Hour with Game Changers. (laughs) But our topic is faster delivery to your doorstep, why it matters, to whom it matters, what it means to, we're going to focus on B2B when we come back. We all know how it matters to consumers of everyday B2C products, but what about business to business? Why is it important? And should your business model be changing to A, acknowledge this, B, incorporate this, and B, C, ace this? A lot on the table here. We're speaking with Charlie Cole at Toomey. We're speaking with Sunil Dalavoy at Uber Technologies and Hari Ashvini at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network 
You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back, and we're talking about one-hour doorstep delivery. Will it transform your business? My panelists are Charlie Cola Toomey, Sunil Dalavoy at Uber Technologies, and Hari Ashvini at SAP. Shout-out to Brad Borkin at SAP in the U.K., a transplant from the U.S., and Brad helped put together this amazing panel. I only use the word amazing advisedly. I don't use it every single day, every 10 minutes, but this is an amazing panel because they are indeed thought leaders with great opinions and great insights, so I'm very Pleased to have all of you. Charlie Cole, we are looking at your talking topics you sent me before the show. And let's talk about high end. Let's put the L word into the conversation, luxury. Even though we might be skewing back a little bit to the B to C, business to consumer, let's do it anyway. You say the definition of luxury is changing. Brands are going to need to compete for customers' dollars on more than just the brand name and heritage. And things like convenience and peace of mind are going to have a higher value than in days past. Charlie, talk to me. You know, I, I think about the evolution of luxury as moving away from something being completely dictatorial in the sense that it used to be cool if you couldn't get a table at a restaurant and it used to be mm. cool if you weren't allowed to buy a Birkin bag. And, and I remember mm. being at a conference in, in 2011 and a, and a CMO for a very famous luxury brand was asked a question and he responded with, you know, I really believe that people should be invited to shop at my brand. And I alluded to democratization before, and the idea of luxury and the idea of a unique product is virtually impossible in the modern-day world where manufacturing's been democratized, distribution's been democratized by the Internet. And now we start talking about how does someone actually differentiate. And when, when we really started thinking about this topic, you start thinking about the travel customer and what matters to you. And I, and I ask everybody that's listening, I ask everybody on the phone to think about it, what matters to you when you're traveling, right? And, and you kind of get to that mindset when you're going through a travel purchase and you ask yourself, what's mattering to me? Nobody wants to wait at security. Nobody wants to wait on the runway. Nobody wants to wait at the gate. Nobody wants to be put in a holding pattern. Why would anybody want anything different when they're actually going through the shopping process which really captures the ethos of that experience, right? And so ultimately, shopping is a precursor to experience. It might be something very mm-hmm. mundane, like cleaning your house, or it might be something really fun, like leaving gloomy Long Island and going to Rio de Janeiro. And so <laughs> luxury now is embodying that idea and that feeling throughout the entire process. And that means convenient. That means it's, it's luxurious. And, and luxurious means oh, my gosh, I didn't have to leave my house, and oh, my gosh, I got something in one hour. You know, that, to me, is where luxury is going, which is we're not moving away from the luxurious feelings that one's supposed to experience. And, and I love, Bonnie, that you said L word because it is sort of a dirty word, but, but think about <laughs> that. It, it really shouldn't be. It shouldn't be unattainable. It just should really embody kind of that core experience that you're ultimately trying to attain. The only difference, it's not a byproduct of the sale. It's throughout the entire experience. And that's how I really think the definition is changing. And I think brands, albeit slowly, are, are trying to catch that train. 
Thank you very much, Charlie. Very insightful. I, I get a kick out of when I see local promotions, just to veer aside for just a moment, if you don't mind. Uh, we have a very active chamber of commerce here in the neighborhood where I live, and uh, they, they used to have a newsletter I received. I did some TV work for them back in the day, and they, they used to say, yes, this vendor has unique gifts, unique products, and I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm saying... Really? Really? I could find 500 just like it anywhere else. What is unique? It just, luxury has changed. The L word, you're right, dirty word, like uh, so many other dirty words that weren't intended as dirty in the beginning. I'd love to get Sunil Dalavoy at Uber Technology. Sunil, love to get your POV on what Charlie just shared with us. Thoughts, please? Do we have Sunil? Hey, Bonnie. Sorry about that. Um, I just wanted to mention that I'm a big fan of Tumi. I'm actually a, a big purchaser of their products for the past decade. And since I travel a lot, I find their products incredibly uh, compelling um, and sturdy and reliable and also just good to look at. So um, thank you for that, Charlie. Appreciate that. But, yeah, I do think that, uh, you know, th- these companies are looking at different ways to connect with their consumers. Uh, and I think that... Uh, what we're talking about this immediate gratifications on demand economy is something that uh, all of us are playing in here well uh, and you know none of us can do it individually alone so this is a great example Bonnie, of how uh, three companies someone that builds a great product uh, someone that has great software to help these businesses and someone that has cars or couriers to get it to their customers are what we're talking about so i think this is an interesting topic of how all three of us can work together to satisfy that demand and deliver or have brands connect with their customers in a unique way that hasn't been done before. It's not just a function of just their retail presence. It's also a function of, you know, how uh, they know what they, people want and getting to their hands as soon as possible. Thank you very much. I want to get Hari Ashvini's point of view on our dirty word, L word, luxury that Charlie uh, talked about just a moment ago. Hari, what are your thoughts? I won't be able to put it as eloquently as Charlie did about luxury. I mean, that's the business he comes from, and obviously uh, <clears throat> that's fantastic the way he described it. Where I see the opportunity uh, from, from where I stand is if you look at what Charlie's vision is and what he wants to deliver, uh, that's where I see us having, having a lot to do. So in the sense that we were talking to another retailer, and for them uh, the biggest challenge was uh, they get a lot of international cu- uh, customers. And they come to the store, and there's not the right fit or the size, and then the customer leaves. Let's just say they're in New York City. One day they're in Times Square. Another day they're gone. So how can you get something to them right away? You say, hey, get a cup of coffee, and the product will be here uh, in five minutes. So uh, that's one example where store-to-store deliveries could actually also make sense. And also there's the back-end component. How do you optimize supply chain uh, to also have the same responsiveness as you would like in your B2C systems? So how can we optimize the back-end supply chain for a company like Tumi with such services like Uber is what I think is, personally, I feel very, very exciting. Thank you very much. Charlie, I'm going to circle back to you. Any comments on what your co-panelists said before I move on to uh, something interesting in Sunil's notes? Charlie? I thought Harry just nailed it uh, because I think the, the supply chain, what's happening there is the thing that, let's just say, like if one-hour delivery is at, you know, half its life cycle or 60% of its life cycle, meaning that it's at least somewhat out there and is evolving and, and it kind of has a foothold in the industry. 
the supply chain improvements we're going to see over the next five years are going to change the game completely, right? Like, what's, what's shocking to me is the concept of what you see with, like, a Nike idea, ID. It's not fairly ubiquitous, right? It's still a very hard cha- challenge for the majority of the brands in the world that, that, frankly, aren't multi-billion dollar verticalized supply chains. And, and you've seen, ironically, non-luxurious brands, things like H&M, things like Zara, who have established themselves by being unbelievably quick to market with trends. And they, they did exactly what Hari talked about in the sense that they identified a need and they've, they've done a great job of satiating their customers with constant newness through a different supply chain. So when we talk about one-hour delivery, the crazy, you know, back-to-the-future part-two world we could live in is one-hour mm-hmm. customization, right? And so it, it all goes back to this idea of what do consumers value and, and that idea of what do consumers find luxurious, Right. It used mm-hmm. to be a spa treatment on the weekend, but now you start seeing these on-demand economy items like spa treatments at your house, right? So you can see the evolutions happening, Bonnie. It's just the predictions mm-hmm. of them from a brand point of view are what scare me. And I think not to take Hari and Sunil's you know, words out of their mouth, they have to do an even better job of predicting it than we do because they're ultimately mm-hmm. going to be our partners as the service provider who help us solve the problem. So I think it's a very interesting thing that breaches both B2B and B2C. Great point, and I just want to bring up that I just learned last week my daughter and her husband uh, adopted a dog from a breeder. They, they purchased a dog, basically, from a, a small litter, and the, the breeder handpicked which of the three little boy puppies went to which family that was interested. They actually interviewed the families, had them come and play with the dogs, and then decided what the match was. But the interesting point is that my daughter and her husband are busy professionals, and they had a dog groomer, a mobile groomer, come to the house to give little Amos his first professional shampoo and haircut or curl cut, as she would say, as we would say. And I was just shocked that there's such a thing. So door to door, Charlie, it's not just for people. It's for people and their pets as well. Is that a surprise to you, by the way, Charlie? No. I mean, it, and it's, I mean, to me, Bonnie, that is luxury, right? Like yes. the luxury yes. is to not have to get in your car like, what are the things yes. that we, we know from a macro perspective? Like, we know traffic is terrible, right? So any way you can avoid it is luxurious. And it's just, it, it takes away from the adjective luxury. Someone used to tell us what it was, and now mm-hmm. we get demanded as consumers. And, and exactly. it's a challenge, right? It's an ultimate exactly. challenge. Well put. That is the L word. You're absolutely right. And it's a love, it's a clean word when you're talking about a doggy shampoo. I'm going to turn to some notes here from Sunil Dalavoy at Uber Technologies. Sunil, uh, th- something I don't think we've talked about is the cost of all of this one-hour delivery. It sounds wonderful. It's luxury. It's convenient. It's for everybody of all ages. It's making the environment greener, as Hari Ashvini pointed out a few minutes ago. Loved that comment, Harry. Uh, so what might be on the minds of businesses right now, Sunil, is oh, my God, this is going to cost me an arm and a leg with a couple of expletives added into that conversation. So is it possible? That, I'm just going to ask you straight out. Could one-hour delivery actually be, A, more cost-effective and B, cheaper than overnighting for the companies that are doing it? And, and how, uh, Sunil, if you'd put it in the context of not just consumer goods but business-to-business, business, talk to me, please. Bonnie, great, uh, great setup. I think that... Um Yes. First of all, the, what we're talking about here is fundamental shift here. The, the reason Uber is in this logistics business is not simply to offer something that's uh, cheaper and faster, but also fundamentally change the, 
the nature of the business. And that's what I think we're trying to achieve here is, 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 is that um, the cost of things when shipping has gone up over time. And, again, I don't want to harp on uh, Amazon, but I look at their experience with FedEx and EPS. The cost of goods being shipped for them has gone up and despite mm-hmm. the volume, despite the yes. growth. Um, it's kind of caused them to get into the business themselves. So if you look at Uber, another thing about Uber is that if you look at Uber X pricing in mature markets, the price has gone down. Every efficiency the company has gained, we bring back to the consumer. It goes back to the fundamental thing is solving consumer problem, the quote that I referred to at the start of the show. And the idea here is, you know, if we make it to a point where the time value of money, we don't only think about the cost of delivery, is this part of uh, is, is, is your own value of time, then it becomes very fascinating in terms of what people's choices may be. And that can apply to B to C or B to B, as you point out. You know, how do you move uh, inventory from from one store to another store? How do you do that today mm-hmm. and versus what you do in tomorrow? So, you know, from Uber's point of view, it's simply from point A to point B. Where there's, again, so you could apply to the benefits we're trying to drive here in the efficiencies of a logistic network that we're trying to build can apply in many different contexts. But as you will see from what we do in the consumer side of the business of moving people, we'll bring mm-hmm. you to the business side, which is always drive efficiency and bring those efficiencies back to our end recipients, whether it be a business or a person. Thank you, Sunil. I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to go back to Charlie in a second. Sunil, Uber Technologies is this a branch of the Uber we all know and some of us love the the uh, Uber people transportation business? What is Uber Technologies? Just give us a, a two-sentence or three-sentence description of, of what that part of the company does. Yeah, so Uber, actually, the, the group I'm belonging to is called Uber Everything, and that group is involved with the non-people-moving business. And there's two manifestations of that that we've uh, released publicly. One is Uber Eats, which is in 11 different uh, markets in throughout the U.S., uh, which is an Eats marketplace and getting food delivered to your uh, home or business. And the other second thing is Uber uh, Rush, and that's a logistic business that's merchant-focused that, again, um, people can have an on-demand delivery service to deliver their goods and products to their consumers. Thank you very much. Wanted to know that, and, and I owe Charlie Cole the same courtesy. Charlie, just tell us a little bit about what Toomey does in case somebody is new to the name and the brand. What does Toomey, is Toomey Travel, correct? What do you do? So Toomey is a, a lifestyle travel brand, and so what we try to do is make all the products you need to perfect your journey. And I think one of the things that we make sure people are aware of is that travel is not just SFO to JFK, right? Mm-hmm. Travel is traveling from your front door to your car, right? And so you start thinking about everything that encapsulates it. It means everything from cell phone covers to, yes, the suitcase pieces that you put under the plane to the carry-on pages, the pieces that you put on the plane. But I think for us, it's, it really is about this idea of how does everyone perfect the journey? And, and the reality of the situation is, we have four people on the phone, all of which that probably travel quite a bit, and I bet you we have very, very, very different habits. And that's sort of what keeps us up at night and, frankly, keeps us really excited. 
Thank you very much. I can hear the excitement. I appreciate that. And Hari Ashvini, I want to go back to you and have you, let's dial it back toward the topic we just introduced with Sunil Dalavoy at Uber Technologies, talking about how one hour delivery could be cheaper than overnighting something. Any thoughts on that from your, your perspective in business development, Hari? Absolutely, Bonnie. So, so why don't I take what uh, <clears throat> Charlie said about democratization and what uh, Sunil mentioned about logistics. And let me tie it back to B2B for a little change. Now, if you look at you know, SAP's own network, we have an Ariba B2B network, which essentially drives a trillion do- dollars in commerce every year. So it's a trillion dollars of goods that are going from a buyer and a seller. It's constantly happening. Now, as you think about democratization and as you think about um, the logistics business getting to democratized, we will start seeing, right now with Uber, we have cars, etc., uh, but pretty soon we're going to start seeing delivery trucks, uh, pickup trucks, semis, and even rigs uh, that can do interstate deliveries kind of get into this business. And, and as we've seen with Uber, uh, the prices have been going down. It's, it's actually going that's cheaper uh, for me to take Uber from my house to, to, to SFO than by taxi. And if you think about bringing the efficiencies of cost and speed to business and to business supply chains. I think we can transform the way people hold inventory. Uh, if you look at, look at a machine shop, then they need a part. Normally, they turn the machine off and wait for the part to arrive, which comes in 24 to 48 hours. Now, mm-hmm. it's within the hour. Um, so there are a lot of interesting things I think we'll start to see uh, on the back-end side of business that is not so visible to most people uh, by leveraging services such as Uber. Thank you very much. Let's turn this around the table to Charlie Cole. Thoughts about the cost, the logistics of faster delivery. What do you think, Charlie? Well, I, I would turn it a little bit different, Bonnie, in the sense that what, what I really think about as the, the B2C guy around the table is what are customers going to expect? And 10 years ago when the Internet launched, it was everyone paid for their own shipping, and, and shipping ballpark for ground is somewhere between 6 and $9. You know, Sunil said something that's so exciting to me as a business as a business kind of driver, which is overnight shipping is real bloody expensive, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's this idea of what I, a phrase I've heard used in this industry before is last mile logistics, right? And so mm-hmm. as we can drive, as we, as we can kind of drive costs down for our customers, that allows us to improve kind of our standard offering, right? And, and so I think about, you know, hotels where Every person's had the experience where you come and on your bedside table is a bottle of water and it's $9 versus the hotel yeah. where the, bedside, the water on the bedside table is free, right? We all have a, a, make a connection to that hotel that's going above and beyond, and we can kind of quantify what the cost actually is in our head. And shipping, really, is no different, right? So if, if, if customers value that one-hour delivery and it's a cost savings to the business themselves, I think you'll see adoption very quickly. But, you know, it, it's funny because the way Sunil said it, it's so obvious, right? Like, mm-hmm. of course, like that's the best thing on earth when one hour is cheaper to do than overnight. But I just don't think people are thinking that pragmatically sometimes. And, and that can be a real challenge. So I, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear Uber's driving down and kind of passing those savings on through, from a cost perspective because me as a business leader sees that as an opportunity to delight our customers. And selfishly, from a business perspective, I hope people are slow to adopt, but I think consumers are going to start to demand it more and more and more and more. And just like free shipping, I think you'll see this to be far more prevalent over the next couple of years as it's perfected by other people. 
Thank you, Charlie. Very interesting. And that leads me into one of the notes, <clears throat> excuse me, from Harry Ashvini's pre-show notes. He sent me, uh, I think, uh, the perspective of the business person, the business owner, the business leader, the person looking at the bottom line, the finances and the expenses, expense column in particular. Harry says businesses of all shapes and sizes need to address process complexity. What's the business lesson here, Harry? I'm going to have you do this and then we'll go back to Charlie and Sunil and have them add their comments business lesson address process complexity how do we get to the point where something's ready to be delivered in one hour harry absolutely bonnie so <clears throat> as uh, let's take charlie's example a business leader has a vision wants to get it done and i say this because 98 of top 100 retailers use sap systems and we have a pretty good idea of what happens in the back end. How does how do they hold inventory? How do they do warehousing? How do they uh, store logistics online, mobile? All of those all of those things. And once the decision is made to say let's go do this, and then they start touching the SAP systems uh, or some other third party systems. Then they look at change management that needs to happen at the store level or within their processes. Um, customers such as uh, Charlie should not have to in- invent the process. I think this is where uh, mm-hmm. SAP, uh, as we are, uh, working very closely with Toomey, working very closely with Uber to say, okay, these are all the things you need from a process perspective that will be prepackaged into a nice little uh, plug-in that you can have, right? So the opportunity that I see for SAP in this to reduce process complexity, uh, whether it's for a luxury re- uh, retailer like like uh, like Toomey or somebody who has very large inventory, like, say, a Target or a Costco, right? Both of them will have very different needs in terms of how, um, how they would address this new trend that's coming in. I mean, having 10, 10 drivers come into the store to pick up something in a day is, is easy to manage, but let's just say you get 100 drivers within the hour. How do you manage that process complexity? How do you do track and trace? All of those things is, is where I think we can come in and help. Very interesting. Thank you. Charlie Cole, let's turn around to you. What do you advise other businesses to do in terms of this process complexity, getting things ready to, in the mindset that we have the opportunity to deliver one hour door to door, but are we really ready to do that? Can we deliver on our promise? How much is involved in shredding the complexity, if you will? Maybe that complexity is a new dirty word, Charlie, you tell me. Well, there's, there's two things, and one is really, really complex to the layperson, and one is the simplest thing on earth, and so I'll address both of them really quickly. The complexity is what Hari was alluding to, which is you do have to combine a lot of systems, right? And there is logic needed to decide, well, is let's just take Uber, for example. Is Uber available in this area? Yes. How far is an Uber driver from the store? This far. Mm-hmm. Can we offer this right now on the website? Great. How does that manifest itself in the front end? Great. How does that manifest itself in the store? So that's, that's complicated, right? And, and we have to rely on folks like SAP to, to help us with stuff like that. So that's the really complicated part. So the first thing, Bonnie, very simply is take a good look at your technology and figure out what you need to do to get there. Now, that's the hard part. The easy part, but the more delicate one, because you start to deal with very basic human emotion, which as hard as SAP systems can be to install, people can be far more difficult. You're talking about people in store that up to this point have not been asked to do this, and more likely, they're not compensated to do it. And so imagine you're a a guy who's been working on the store floor for six months, and you make commission on sales. And all of a sudden, you're being asked to put things in a box and you don't get credit for the sale. 
you're dead on arrival, right? It'll never work. And so you have to have the technology on the back end from a wiring perspective, but also the empathy on the front end from a human emotion perspective. And then the really sticky, scary part is you might have to change how your store level people are compensated, right? And, and, and that's kind of the thing that I think people miss, right? It's really easy to jam something down, down the throat of a store associate, but if they're not excited about providing the mm-hmm. service, you're going to short-circuit all of that goodwill you earn from the customer for having it in the first place. And so I would urge companies to do the evaluation of the technology. You have to do that, and I think that's the part that everybody understands. But don't forget about the people that are on the front end of your brand and, frankly, are the biggest brand ambassadors or brand attractors you could possibly have because you can do all the things right on the technology side. Uber does its job. SAP does its job. But if you aren't motivated in your in-store associate to continue mm-hmm. that experience to instead of the last mile, it's the last minute, the whole yep. process is going to be short-circuited no matter how well it's wired. Thank you. Very well put. Great words of wisdom. And guess what? I am late getting us started on the crystal ball predictions round. So I can give you each about 30 seconds. Apologies for that. But I think we have been talking about the future all along. So, Charlie, while I've got you up on the mic here, let's talk to Charlie Cole at Toomey. Charlie, I love the year 2020, but it's really not that far away anymore. How far into the Toomey Travel crystal ball can you look and tell me what will change about this conversation? One hour doorstep delivery, will it transform business, anybody's business? Uh, Charlie, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Predict something from me and tell me when you think it's going to happen. Charlie, go ahead. So I'll be, I'll be more Toomey agnostic and say that if the customer expectation right now is free shipping from a store, by 2020, the, the expectation will be free next day. Right. It might not be one hour, but the ah. expectation of the customer is going to get shorter and shorter, and therefore businesses will either follow or they will lose. Wow. Very interesting. Free next day and free next day. Wow. Okay. Terrific. Thank you very much. That was brief and to the point. Soon We might end up with a little extra time here. Sunil Dalavoy at Uber Technologies. Take a look into that Uber Tech crystal ball, Sunil. What do you think will change about this topic in terms of one-hour delivery, the businesses that embrace it, the demographics that expect it? Will we even be calling it one-hour delivery? Tell me how far in the future I can give you oh, one full minute. Sunil, you get the bonus. Go ahead, Sunil. Thank you, Bonnie. I don't think I even need a full minute. I thought about this, and I think that what I'm really excited about on a personal level is the idea of getting rid of us running errands, the idea of pressing a button (laughs) and getting everything delivered to your house or to your office or to your business immediately. So that concept of giving people time back, which we're really discussing here, is what excites me, and um, I hope and I believe that Uber can be a big part of that. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point as well. And I'm going to come up with a bonus question here. Hari Ashvini, I give you uh, give you one full minute. I've just been advised we have two minutes left. Hari, predictions, how far in the future? What do you see in the crystal ball? Okay, so <clears throat> right now, obviously, we're seeing a lot of uptake with retail. Now, retail is moving forward. Customers like Tumi are innovative or jumping in. I think the next category we're going to see a lot is hospitality and healthcare. I think those are two areas where bringing people to uh, the hospital or uh, to the hotel or whatever it happens to be is also going to be a service that the businesses could provide. Uh, a great example would be Tumi could give me a coupon to say, hey, it's a Saturday, 
take the Uber ride, come to our store with your family and see what you like. So moving people to the store also, I think, improves the, improves the quality. The second thing I, I think I'm going to predict is, uh, as I said, we're going to see, see an emergence of the fleet. The fleet of cars that are in the street right now are going to grow, and they're going to start carrying bigger and bigger items. So as those things start to happen, you can all of a sudden do pallet shipments uh, in an Uber-type model that you've never been able to do before. I think that will transform the shipping industry as a whole, and there are companies already doing this. But I think in the next two to three years, you'll see that trend growing quite rapidly. Okay, thank you very much. You got me right up to the point where we are ready to close the show. I want to say thank you so much for great thought leadership here, great insights, good panel, good energy. Charlie Cole, Chief Digital Officer at Toomey Travel. Charlie, pleasure to meet you. Hope you'll come back. Same for Sunil Dalavoy, Head of Business Development at Uber Technologies. Lots of exciting things happening there, too. And Harry Ashvini, Senior Director of Corporate Business Development at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I think we're going to be back tomorrow. I know we are. Let's see. We have a live show. We do about five live shows a week now here on the Business Channel. Tomorrow is the future of business with Game Changers. Sponsor is Dave Fowler at SAP. I know we have another great, great topic, 10 a.m. Eastern. You don't want to miss out on that. I want to do a shout-out to Justin, our engineer at the Business Channel. Thank you so much, Justin, for getting us and keeping us on the air. And Brad Borkin, again at SAP, for putting together this extraordinary panel. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Talking about delivery, you better put it on if it's coming in one hour. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.